Hello and welcome to the Hanson Hour podcast where we spend an hour or thereabouts deep diving into the band Hanson. I'm your host Megan and you can join in with me and a special guest each week as we talk about a range of Hanson related topics. I'm so excited that you are here to join in on this so grab a cuppa or a glass of red and settle in for an hour of fun, it's guaranteed to make you smile. Hello and welcome to episode three of season one of the Hanson Hour. So season one is all about the middle of nowhere era and as well as having a guest on to chat we also look at a song in chronological order off the album um, apart from Mbop so I've missed that because I've got a guest that I want who can't record for another little bit so that's coming up but anyway today I have a very special guest. Melissa is an artist who's lived in Tulsa her whole life She was there right at the start of the band's career, even seeing them perform at the infamous Mayfest back in 92. We're so lucky to have Melissa on today to chat about all things related to those early days. So, Melissa, welcome to Hanson Hour. Hi, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for having me. I got a couple icebreaker questions I just want to hit you with. Favourite Hanson album? Okay, that's easy. Underneath, hands down. Okay, I like it. What about your favorite Hanson lyric? So I had to think about this one Um, because, you know, there's so many amazing lyrics to choose from. But I think I'm going to have to go with the lyrics from an entire song. So I'm going to pick Be My Own. And honestly, just because it's so, it's just every word of that song is so personal to me, the way I interpret it. Mm-hmm. But that's my, that's my choice. That's, that's your choice. I love it. It's really hard to whittle it down. So good job. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to be talking to someone who was at the very first, because it was the Hanson brothers, right, when we're talking about Mayfest at 92. Um, well, uh, so uh, when I first saw them, <clears throat> I think it was either 94 or 95. I was maybe nine. So it's like hard to really remember <laughs> exactly everything. You know, self-awareness is a little lacking <clears throat> but uh, it, it was still, it was a core memory for sure the first time. Um, it wasn't Mayfest? Is that the first it, it time? Was, it was Mayfest. Um, I think 94. And yeah. I just remember we were meeting my aunt and my cousin there. And uh, we were walking over a bridge like on a sidewalk of the bridge and we could hear music in the distance. And uh, so we were meeting my aunt, like on the other side of this bridge. Well, on the, so on the other side of this bridge, there's a stage and that's where Hanson was performing and they were singing the love you save. 
Oh, wow. And I, w- and I loved Michael Jackson as a kid. Yeah. So I was just instantly mem- mesmerized by it. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, my cousin uh, was the same age as me. And we, so we saw these, you know, cute boys and we were totally into it and uh, went and watched their show. And afterwards, uh, my mom said, you know, oh, well, you're going to love this. They were, after they played, they were kind of like rollerblading around the area. <laughs> I don't, I don't specifically remember this. My mother, my mother tells me this. I'm so just, just putting that out there. But so I, so my mom was like, they're really good. You should go talk to them. And I was like, you know, oh, <laughs> I, I certainly can't do that. But so, so they talked me into it. We bought a cassette tape of Boomerang and asked them to autograph it. <laughs> And they were just so nice and they had like a sign up for their fan club. And I just remember it being like the first time I really, you know, I guess in a way, maybe like my first concert. Yeah. Have you still got the tape? (sighs) No, no, no. No. (laughs) And believe me, it's a really, I'm very salty about it. Yeah. Yeah, I would do too. That's a, it's, that's a tough one. So was it you? It was sort of almost a case then of being like an instant, an instant fan. Like, definitely. And on I I think I mean I was just instantly drawn to them. Definitely. Yeah, and so what was happening like in, in Oklahoma or in Tulsa, maybe even more specifically around then like between that moment and 97 when middle of nowhere came out was there more like um smaller shows happening or other little points of to be able to see them so being part of their fan club they would actually call the house and (laughs) tell us about upcoming shows bizarre my brother still like flexes like oh I talked to Zach on the phone once or something like it probably wasn't even Zach he he has no clue but you know that's his that's his flex and he's sticking with it but he uh so they would call us and so other shows we saw them at Big Splash and we also saw them at the Balloon Festival which is another one that stands out to me I'm not sure why but I really loved that one (laughs) it's really incredible to hear this and and to know that even back then that level of entrepreneurship that we hear them talk about now in terms of how they sort of worked with their fans and worked with technology and things like that to grow a fan base what they were doing even back then you know is really really incredible and I think um this I had seen it only since doing research for the pod. It's actually the first time I had heard, obviously, about the Hanson Hotline, but not until Middle of Nowhere and stuff like that had come out. There's, oh, and obviously I'm from Australia, so it's 
it's a different experience, but I had only just heard about this phone call thing really recently when doing research and I am so shook. Like I can't even, just the amount of time (laughs) that this is taking up in their very, very young lives and the seriousness of it, you know, um, it just, I think it really shows even way back then how, how serious they were taking it and how hard they were working to build those those bases from the ground up even back then. It it is hilarious to see all the phases they've gone through as technology has changed even like the Hanson hotline. You know, I remember call, psycho dialing and getting the busy signal. Oh, I need to hear it. I heard, you know, cuz you'd know <laughs> when there was a new one. <laughs> it, it's really funny. I I wanted to sort of uh, pop a little comments that I've found by you. So I actually had a fan um, on the Hanson Love Facebook page send me a link and the link's called, you know you're from Tulsa, like if, or like you know you're from Tulsa when. And mm-hmm. someone had posted a photo of the band onto that page um, and there were people that left comments saying, you know, that they'd seen the band playing around town in the early 90s. And uh, again, like I was really shocked at how many shows they were doing. Um, and some of them seemed really random and really hilarious. I want to read you out some of the comments that people had left about their experience seeing them around that time frame in that really um, early 90s. So, all right, I've got here. They came and performed at Lewis and Clark Middle School when I was there. We got to meet them, get autographs, and they even gave out their phone number. (laughs) (laughs) They performed at Park Elementary twice. And then someone else has said, I remember when my daughter saw them for the first time at Trojans for Christ at Jenks East Elementary. And in 95, they sang at Barnard Elementary. I talked my mum's ear off about it and she ordered me their CD, maybe cassette boomerang, and their dad hand delivered it to our house. I've been a fan (laughs) ever since. And There's a couple more. This is the last one about a school. It says they also came to Leisure Park Elementary for our fifth grade graduation. So they were homeschooled, first of all. So they're not even going to school. They've got all this time to go to actual school establishments. And do you know about this? Like, what what are they doing? They're just going around and, Uh, like, knocking on school's doors and being like, can we play for your school? Well, so they definitely that- knew their demographic, right? Like <laughs> young, the young girls were, they, so uh, I'm just a little, I, I mean, why didn't they come to Claremore, Claremont Elementary? Um, why didn't they? I know. And that's what makes it weird. Like they just sort of door knocked, like went through the phone book, <laughs> like found schools and if they would have them on, I can't even imagine like, going into a big hall or something and just for fun having this band and like to go to be like to 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 come to someone's graduation and all this sort of stuff and to have walker like knock on your door and give you the cd or cassette that you ordered it's brilliant um can i read a few more of course (laughs) okay so they were around the corner neighbors where we lived in west tulsa They lived in a tiny house with a studio set up in their living room. 
I remember early on asking them if they played at birthday parties. Taylor responded, yes, but it's really expensive, like $300. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously they were being paid as well to, to, you know, come and do it. Um, Someone else said, that's the same year they played our block party on Yorktown. They played in the (laughs) Redinton. Dinsky's driveway. That one made me. That one made me laugh. Um, Man, I win. I wish I had known these secrets. Yeah, I, it's a. It, I I couldn't get over it. I was these just, I, these people had cheat codes, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> this one says uh, their dad worked where I did, and they would come and perform um, for us at work. So they're just going along to Walker's work and doing performances there. Um, they went to a pool party for my daughter's swim team and they performed. They performed at my brother's house at a cocktail party when we when we when they were younger than this. I just the sheer volume of like hilarity in shows of just rocking up to places. I'm <laughs> it's a whole new world for me. Like um, that is I I like that. It makes me feel like <laughs> I mean, I, I can't believe I missed out on all of that, but um, I, it's like, wow, you know, it makes you realize how much they really put into it. I feel the same. And I was surprised. And I mean, obviously you are too, like, and, and being big fans that I didn't really have a huge awareness of that. And that's not something that they really talk about. I remember hearing on a podcast it must have been the one that they did recently maybe dadville or or some a podcast recently along those lines of like it was a dad podcast and Isaac was telling the story about how they sang at a roadside chicken um <laughs> place because their mum was like go on like do a little song and like and I'm not saying that of course they, they obviously loved it but they're just yeah the, just how how much they're sort of doing and small small gigs make oh yeah I laughed it was funny <laughs> so you talked about um the the hotline was there any like physical um fan mail or like a physical way apart from the the hotline to sort of be in contact are you like able to send letters or are they sending letters to you in terms of being in the fan club at that point in that really early 90s what was that what was that like um other than the phone calls I do remember uh getting a postcard in the mail from them that said they were going to be on David Letterman. <sighs> and that's when my mom went, I told you, I told you they were going to be big. <laughs> What's it? I don't even remember that. Did you watch it? Uh, I probably did, but let, mm. you know, I was, what, nine? I don't mm. know. I'm going to look that one up um, and and put it in the vault and see what we can find. Um, so when they were like, you know, your mum saying, look, I, you know, I told you they were going to be big when they were starting to, to break and, you know, that, that 97 sort of point where everything went, um, you know, big, what was sort of the, the vibe like in Tulsa at the time? 
Uh, you know, I feel like it was probably like it was everywhere. Uh, just they exploded here the same way. And I kind of felt like almost, (laughs) I I hate to say this, but almost cheated. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because then to go see them, I had to go wait. Cause I'm sure, I'm not sure how it works in Australia, but in 1997 here to get a ticket, we had to go wait in a line outside of Albertsons for like eight hours just to get a number on a bracelet to then get in a line to get a ticket. So it was yeah. like a whole day to get a ticket. Yeah. Um, so such access, you know, they were. Yes. So it was like, well, I used to be able to just go to you know, the balloon festival and sit on a bale of hay and watch them sing and play in front of my eyes. But now I have to go through all of this trouble and to sit in the nosebleeds, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And were people, um, was there like a level of hysteria? Were people going to their house? Um, what did you notice? Like, like tourists, I want to say like people flying in to just be where Tulsa is. Um, no, not, not really. Oh, I mean, except for when Hanson Day started. Mm, Now we do get an influx of people for Hanson Day and it's actually really cool. I love seeing all the people from all over come here and, you know, see our city because I'm very proud to be from here. Like I go on vacations and miss being here. So I, I love sharing our city but um back then not so much uh because i think they were just kind of a worldwide sensation um more so i you know now i think they've kind of come back home and mm. are more tulsa based than before especially since covid happened um yeah. and they did all of those concerts at the canes uh being a Tulsa fan has, uh, I have to say, after COVID has never been better. <laughs> yeah, wow. selfishly, being a Tulsa mm. fan, you know, I feel like they have been more Tulsa based up until this past world tour that they just did. Mm. So uh, do you just like run into them? No, <laughs> no matter how hard I try. <laughs> That's so funny. I'd do that too. Um, so, had you have you heard any like funny stories about um, people just running into them, even when they were younger? Um, I suppose they probably did spend a lot of time away from home if they were recording or touring or things like that. Um, I think the other thing too that you mentioned, and I'm just circling back, and I will come back to it. I just had this thought that. I was looking on Katie's website, Hanson Stage, who I interviewed for episode one, and I was looking at a lot of the shows that were going around um, because she's she's got that all logged. And back in, in what you would have been talking about, before we were seeing those really full-fledged tours, um, like I think was it live from – I can't remember the – this is why I'm like a terrible Hanson podcast host the first <laughs> tour like live from Albertine or what, whatever you know the first mm-hmm. big tour that they did 
it was all promo. So I'm looking through the list and they're not like official shows. They will just show up again, random, at random spots, park, like, go ahead. <laughs> I, I think I maybe was too young to realize that because yeah. here they played at Oral Roberts University, which is, you know, a, a university here and they have a, a, a pretty good sized arena. Um, there aren't a lot of concerts there as an adult, I realize. Um, mm. So it wasn't exactly usual, but yeah. that's where they had, they had two shows there. And when we're talking about shows and I can only go off my early experience seeing them before, you know, the, the tours started. So here in Australia, you know, I'm going to, I'm winning competitions to see them on a boat. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, winning to see them on radio show rooftops. And I went to obviously the Southland one here that's featured on Tulsa Tokyo in the middle of nowhere, the huge car park one. Um, I, I went to all of that and like you, I never realized that I wasn't actually seeing a concert. I was watching maybe three or four songs, um, acapella different, or, you know, maybe like a little bit of guitar here or there. It didn't actually, and that was enough for me just to, to physically, you know, be there. It didn't really peg until much later. And I was looking through this promo list that I saw that what they were doing was just creating you know that that base again and again and again through getting to as many places as they could um as often as they could to just do these short little promo sets um which I found really interesting as well (laughs) (laughs) um so when Nine, uh, this is what I want to talk to you about Hanson Day a little bit, all right? So I've got in 97, Frank Keating, <laughs> who was the governor of Oklahoma at the time, and this is like so into my research. I thought it was the mayor that, who was a, the, the first female mayor of Tulsa at the time. She doesn't serve anymore. Um, I can't think of her name. Savage. Susan Savage was her name. She was a, a mayor in Tulsa and I thought it was her and for the longest time I'm emailing her I'm like you've got to come on the pod and talk to me about um declaring Hanson Day and I didn't realize that a governor and a mayor are different so it's actually Frank Keating who is the governor of Oklahoma at the time and he declared May 6th Hanson Day in 97 which I'm confused about because May 6th 97 was the release date of middle of nowhere so how did he declare a date so quickly on the day that middle of nowhere was released before anyone even really knew what level of success and achievements were to come this is a question for Hanson (laughs) (laughs) I honestly have no clue and and I, I've thought about that. Um, I guess they just knew they'd been signed. They were kind of a local, you know, thing that were, you know, a local gem that we're, mm. we're proud of here. And, and I think they knew, you know, that they were going to be something really big and important. So... Uh, 
I, <laughs> do I don't know. But when it was um when it was declared, did they like smash a bottle of champagne and cut a ribbon? Like how was it declared? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I hope they did though. Same. I'll I'll research that further too. <laughs> they need a video. I need historical like mm, I need a video to see what yeah. how this went down. Were they there? <laughs> Why no? There's so many mysteries we need to fill in. So if anyone knows, feel free to um to let us know if you know more than we do. So you mentioned that now leading up to Hanson Day, you really enjoyed it. It's a really good vibe. I had heard that generally the town um itself really welcomes Hanson Day because it's been such like a cash injection for the economy and for all the small business owners you know is that generally how it's viewed there well what a lot of people probably don't realize is that downtown Tulsa has not always been cool mm-hmm. um I remember being a kid thinking downtown Tulsa was scary uh, and it's sad because there's so many beautiful, you know, buildings and architecture and art down there. And, uh, but they've really worked very, very hard to rejuvenate that part of our city. And, um, and honestly, Hanson's been a big part of it. There's studios down there. I know that they're a big supporter of Kane's Ballroom, which is a historical venue. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's, that is something that people don't realize is that downtown Tulsa really, um, it's thriving right now, but it hasn't always. And it is because of people like the Hanson fans who come from other cities and stay in downtown and go to the local restaurants and go to the local retail establishments and you know you're really helping small businesses mm. from here thrive is where the studio is located as well in downtown I yes guess. it's it's right down the street from Kane's ballroom that's mm. so so cool <laughs> um so just one more thing before we so you and I are going to um unpack speechless off middle of nowhere which is where I'm at in terms of unpacking songs but just before that do you remember so after that first Hanson day was sort of declared do you remember there being annual events really from that point forward um when did it get big like when do you remember um it sort of becoming what it is today or has it always been I I feel like it started out with Mo and mm-hmm. you know being the 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 magazine and um more of like an online presence uh and when it kind of switched from Mo to Hanson.net is kind of when I think um it changed the dynamic changed uh and they started maybe getting a little more personal with their fans whereas before it was like maybe they were still so sensationalized that there was just no possible way to make it personal with the fans at all. And maybe that's the point where it kind of transitioned where they could make it a more personalized experience for all the fans. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. All right. So you want to crack into speechless with me? I'd love to. (laughs) All right. 
So I'm going to be honest here, and again, maybe this is what, well, maybe this makes me a good podcast host or a terrible podcast host. <laughs> Speechless on this album was one of my skip tracks. So I don't do it often, but like for bands that I, or artists that I really, really like, like Taylor Swift, I'm a, and a big Taylor Swift fan as well. I have a couple songs that I, it's like a dirty secret, like I skip. I just, <laughs> I just want to sort of get to the next part. And I was like, it doesn't have the same vibe for me. And on this album, Speechless was one of those songs. So it felt to me more like a little bit of a filler song um listening to it now so I've been re-listening to the album a lot and I I do prefer it more than I did you know back then but what I found interesting about this was um Stephen Laroni who some of us might know or just because I'm doing weird research at the moment was the so after the Dust Brothers stopped doing the um producing of Middle of Nowhere Stephen Laroni took it over uh, he so he was the producer on this album, but he's actually down as a co-writer for this song, and not just this song. He was a co-writer on "Look at You," which is my other skip song. <laughs> so I don't know those two songs, "Look at You" and "Speechless," never really did it for me. And it was really interesting to see that he, Stephen Laroni, was sort of uh, had a hand in that as well. I'm not saying that he's not a I mean, he could be a very brilliant songwriter. He just—it's not not my my song, my kind of taste. So, what are your what are your thoughts on this song? Was it a skip song for you? I love <laughs> it. I've always loved it. Here, my skip songs were always the ballads, right. which is so funny because not anymore, not anymore. Yeah, you know, we, we change, we grow, but um, I always loved the like dancey songs. Yeah. I found that too. So I will get to yearbook, but I, I was never a yearbook fan. And I feel so, I like, I feel like I can't, say, this is the first time I'm saying it out loud. And especially on a handsome podcast, like I just, <laughs> I can't do See, yearbook. But I'm a piano player. And so oh. I, that was one of the, you know, my songs I learned to play. And so I like, oh. I think it's all about context. You know, if a song, mm -hmm. the songs mean different things to different people. Yeah, that's absolutely. why there's so many different kinds of songs and music. Yeah, yep. And so listening back to this song, I, I actually, <clears throat> and coming back off of unpacking, say something like "Thinking of You" that I did with Katie, this sort of has more hallmarks of what I would call like a classic Hanson style song in the way that it's written, where "Thinking of You," you know, in terms of its writing style, was quite immature in in a way um even like the the melody and, and the lyrics and things like that oh gosh I'm gonna get <laughs> I can only speak my truth um so you know this one though it's got a lot of meat in the lyrics so uh, my favorite bit like and again as an adult hysterical like looking back at the huge red flags that Taylor was <laughs> missing so he says I get suspicious when you call me someone else's name <laughs> just you know slightly suspicious and you just sort of like there's this passive aggressive love interest um <laughs> and she's calling him Doug instead of Taylor and I'm just thinking Taylor like we can all see the red flags and he still was just you know not walking away from it um so I find the whole song now like really quite funny <laughs> 
an as an adult, um, you know, this girl just giving him the roundabout. What are your thoughts on the lyrics and how do you sort of connect with it today, I suppose, as an adult? Um, I, I mean, it is funny to think about the way that you interpret it when you're a kid uh, compared to now. Just like, <laughs> I mean... It is funny, like, to think, like, of a girl being like, okay, Tyler, <laughs> and, and whatever. But... Like, that's suspicious. <laughs> and him being like, what, excuse me? But, yeah. I, um... I remember being, like, annoyed at this girl, because who would do that to Tyler? Like, I do like, not know like, what you have. Do it. Um yeah, it's it's funny. And, and you know, I've thought about that about Hanson songs even now. Um like how they can write songs about you know, lost love and things like this when they have these like seemingly beautiful marriages and you know, like how do they understand those feelings? And I think it that that's what I think when I hear those songs from when they were kids too, writing songs like that. Like, I just think that they're just really maybe emotionally intelligent on a different level. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you. And, and I think something I've been leaning into lately and again, like we're going, I'm going a little bit off topic, you know, the, the big, are you listening movement that they sort of started talking about you know are you listening I didn't realize even maybe until a year or two ago that I probably wasn't really listening or I thought I was listening and it's not until they've been sort of you know doing more podcasts um outside of um handsome time and talking with different people that I'm realizing that those messages of um you know, that emotional intelligence that you're talking about really came through right back then. And I think, well, I know, like I missed a lot of the, the the real depth that they were talking about. So it's almost like they're such old souls and they mm-hmm. had all this knowledge um, and it really is, uh, they want to impart that, right? Like they want to impart it on, on anyone that's listening. Um, and I know for me, I haven't, I feel like I'm only just starting to listen on a completely different level now and really getting the very deep sort of core thing that they're talking about. Um, so, yeah, you're spot on. God, they're so clever. <laughs> I know. We're late bloomers. <laughs> They've, they're so ahead of us. Mm-hmm. I feel like that too. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and having this chat it has been so appreciated and just yeah really nice to have a little um view into Tulsa back in that time and what was happening and even Tulsa now um so we really appreciate it thank you so much thank you if you ever find your way here let me know I'd love to show you around oh we're coming me and my fam don't worry and I'll I'll take you up on that all right (laughs) all right I'll talk to you soon okay thank you